So I think a lot about especially our concurrent enrollment models and we're serving a lot of high school students and are there ways that we can be more creative with land use and space and combining high schools and community colleges, particularly in rural areas. Would that work in your community? I mean, it's about being innovative. This is In the Know with ACCT, the voice of community college leaders. I'm Jacob Bray. On this episode, Ji Heng Lee, ACCT's Senior Vice President and Casey Sachs, Deputy Assistant Secretary for Community Colleges at the Department of Education, talk about ACCT's Strengthening Rural Community Colleges initiative supported by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. The project will focus on California, Iowa, Kentucky, North Carolina, and Texas, but will take into account information from rural community colleges nationwide. This episode was recorded at our annual Congress in San Francisco and is a two-part episode with part two being the question and answer section from this presentation. So as many of you know, and I've seen many of you on my uh, roadshow across our country and uh, um, visiting our institutions, rural institutions and the plight of rural institutions has been high on the list of when I talk to our local trustees. And I'm happy to have worked for the last year or so to try to get this grant, and I'm happy to have uh, received funds for our association to work on this project. Uh, so I'm going to outline some of the things that we're going to be doing with this project, and Casey's going to provide some feedback from her perspective as uh, an individual from the Department of Education, but more importantly also her time in the systems of West Virginia and Colorado. Okay. Uh, as many of you know, in August of this year, ACCT received a Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation grant uh, to cover 18 months to take a look and uh, create a report uh, that will look at the needs and also how to strengthen our rural community colleges across this country. We'll be doing a couple things. We'll be convening individuals, trustees, presidents, community stakeholders, elected officials, um, other additional stakeholders. Uh, we'll do some research around the needs facing community col uh, rural communities and community colleges, and we'll be advocating uh, creating policy solutions to support the viability of our institutions and their students, but also taking a look at uh, some patterns that we will see as part of this project. Okay. Uh, the rural community college landscape, and this is kind of an interesting slide. Um, and as we've been working with some of the states in this project, uh, some of the data has been uh, become very clear that we need additional data. Uh, right now, according to the U.S. Department of Education, there are only 260 rural community colleges. They educate around 670,000 students. For those of you in California, only 13 of you are considered to be rural out of the 114 community colleges in your state. Uh, I believe North Carolina, you have six. So it shows you kind of the definitional deficiency that we have right now that showcases what uh, at least the federal government believes our institutions to be. Um, the rural challenges, as many of you who are in this room probably know these challenges acutely, uh, they include funding, geogra uh, geography, uh, broadband access, access to basic services, changing demographics, and economic development. Um, the one thing that I would also include on this list is that as, as many of you are accredited, all of you are accredited by your regional accreditor, also know that you need to have highly trained faculty to, uh, to uh, teach courses. And this is becoming a larger contextual issue for your institutions as 
recruiting faculty becomes a little bit more difficult. As part of this project, uh, <clears throat> the, the foundation has asked us to target five states. Uh, and working with them, these are our five target states, North Carolina, Kentucky, Iowa, Texas, California. I know many of you in this room, I see who you are, you're not in these five target states. That being said, we are taking all communication back from you. If you would like to conduct a call with us, if you would like us to do a presentation to you, if you would like us to uh, come to your state association meeting, we're happy to talk about this. We're happy to do a town hall event. We're happy to uh, uh, take as much feedback globally as we can from our membership. Uh, the way that the foundation is outlined, we needed to have a targeted because they didn't give us unlimited funds for this project. Uh, and uh, so therefore, uh, we want and we require all of you, Wyoming, Kansas, Nebraska, elsewhere, Florida, to give us this feedback. We can't, we're just not gonna be taking the five states. Uh, we will be, the five states will have profiles that's primarily the work. We're doing some additional research in these states. Uh, so that's where a lot of the, our work is gonna be delved in for those five states, but we do need your feedback um, going forward. Um, so our work culminates in February of 2021. Uh, that's a special time because we will be beginning the 117th Congress. We will have just finished a general election for the next president or the current president if he's uh, uh, re-elected. So this is a perfect time to do a rollout of these priorities in the context of we have a new Congress, let's have a good discussion around the needs of rural institutions. Uh, so we're gonna come out with some recommendations. Um, we're gonna come out with some federal recommendations uh, in the context of either um, the various agencies that are working uh, that our, our colleges have connection to, so that could be USDA, uh, that could be um, Department of Ed, Labor, whatnot. Uh, we could also, we're also going to be outlining some state policy priorities. Our recommendations will not be state specific. While we have sta five state partners, we're not going to recommend something that only is, could be a recommendation for California. It, the recommendation can't just be for Iowa, it has to be a little bit more global, that will have reach. So all of you in this room can use it for your own advocacy within your own states. Uh, I, I don't think state-specific policy recommendations is, is you know, this is this is a project on behalf of your national association. I want to make sure that all of our states uh, are able to benefit from this. Uh, and we'll probably think of some local ones um, that maybe uh, some, uh, we'll create some profiles of some of the relationships some of our institutions have done to highlight that you might be able to model back in your local institutions. Um, so that's kind of the broad framework of our policy recommendations, some of the work that's ahead of us. Um, we wanted to provide, Casey, an opportunity to provide some remarks, but largely for this convening here today, it's to get feedback from all of you on some of the things you want us to think about. We are on the beginning process of this project. A lot of our field work will be next year. So a lot of the things that you can impart to us today 
will help guide us a little bit on the work going forward. So I'm going to turn it over to Casey to talk a little bit, and then we'll uh, we have a mic here, uh, so if you, as Casey finishes, if you want to step up and, and uh, ask questions, provide comments, will be uh, that will be great. Casey, I'm not Casey, but I would like to say I would like to um, let you know a little bit about Casey in addition to working for the Department of Education at this point. She's a former community college administrator in two states. And we would like her to make her remarks with those, um, with those experiences in mind, as well as from the Department of Education. Thank you. Thanks, Kari. Thanks, Jihei. Hi, everyone. It's great to be here with you. Thanks for coming to this session. I feel like just having you here is a demonstration of how important this is, I think, to all of us. And our communities really need these community colleges that you're serving. And so it's just um, even that much more important and something that I know I spend a lot of time thinking about and worrying about is the future of our colleges and what's going to happen to our rural communities if they're not sustainable. So I'm excited about the work that ACCT has taken on. I hope that you all will engage with the organization and really help provide feedback because it'll be really meaningful for us in Washington to have a set of policy recommendations that specifically come from the field. It makes it a lot more actionable if we can say, our friends in Nebraska asked for X. Um, that's a much easier lift than saying, Casey just had this harebrained idea. So please engage, I think, would certainly be my first ask. But I certainly come at this work with a heart for rural colleges. Coming from West Virginia, all nine of my colleges were rural. Our biggest city in the state is 60,000 people. If you count the surrounding areas, then I get to 200,000 people. But it's just a small state. And so all of my colleges were dealing with the issues that you're dealing with every day. We had one college that served 300 students and we looked at their finances and we looked at what they needed to operate and what they were getting in a state allocation and they weren't sustainable. And so we came to our state elected officials and said, um, you know, we either need to do a teach out plan with this college and close it or we need an increased state allocation. There are only two options for, for keeping this place open. And there wasn't an appetite for closing it. So the state came up with more money and came up with a stopgap to continue to fund the college. But we knew then and still know, I know um, my former chancellor in West Virginia every year is going back and coming up with these sort of band-aid ideas about how do you continue to keep the college open because it's not a sustainable business model to serve 300 students. And, and so I think a lot about especially our concurrent enrollment models and we're serving a lot of high school students and are there ways that we could be more creative with land use and space and combining high schools and community colleges, particularly in rural areas. Would that work in your community? I mean, it's about being innovative and sort of thinking about what could we do in a way that would work for us that would be intentional for us. And I know I'm looking for best practices and models. So if one of you has a rural college and you're like, we're winning at this, um, come tell me about it because I want to be able to amplify that in a space like this. Uh, we ha I mean, I have a few really great examples for you. I had a college in West Virginia that saw that they needed to double down in, health in healthcare and create a lot more nurses to meet the demand for their local hospital, but they couldn't hire qualified nurses to teach in the program at the same price that nurses would be in the hospital, um, which I would guess is a problem a lot of you have. 
And so what they did is they worked with the hospital and instead of um, hiring them away, the hospital just told nurses, your Tuesday, Thursday shift is over at the community college. And so they continued to pay them their normal rate. They continued to be hospital employees instead of college employees. Um, but it allowed the hospital to write it off as an expense in recruiting because they knew that they needed that workforce and that traveling nurses are expensive. That's what we were using a lot of in West Virginia. And it allowed us to increase the number of students who we were producing in that particular nursing program. But it's hard to make those partnerships and it's hard to get your hospital CEO to commit to giving you two nurses all the time in the schedule. And I mean, none of this is an easy lift, so I think we all have examples like that of things that are the right things and what we ought to be doing, but it's really about making choices. You know, last summer the president signed into law something that's called the Perkins Act. So it's a billion dollars a year that goes to fund career and technical education. But within that funding, states make decisions. So you have a state plan and the funds are split between the K-12 system and the post-secondary system. And our states are all over the place in how they do that. Colorado's really intentional. They put 70% of those funds in the community colleges. But Colorado's rare. South Carolina puts 30% of those funds into community colleges. And so what that means is if a community needs, let's just say, a welding lab that costs half a million dollars, if every school district in the area gets $50,000, you're gonna be a decade before you ever get a welding lab and everyone's gonna try and recreate the same wheel. If it all went to one community college and we were able to get students all to that one space, we could have a welding lab in that community. But it means that we need leaders like you to really stand up and say how important it is that we have those partnerships and that we stop spending our very few resources and spreading it so thinly that nothing's happening. And those are incredibly hard conversations. So I, I think those are sort of my initial reactions and in what I am thinking about this. Um, since I moved from West Virginia to Washington, D.C., rural colleges has been a big priority for me, and we've hosted a series of rural community college convenings from the department. A number of your colleges have sent folks. It's been a phenomenal experience. I think we've served 250 colleges so far. Um, you can define rural however you like from my perspective. Um, but what we've done is we've brought in 11 different federal agencies just to talk to presidents and grant writers and deans or whoever comes about what does it mean to engage with a federal agency. So the Department of Education um, only funds about 10% of education programs. Most funding for education comes from your state. We do some grants, we do some interesting innovation stuff. We have a great platform to amplify good things that are going on, but we're not really that much money. USDA has a lot of money. They have a rural project. They're interested in rural community colleges. They have a rural development section. They do loans, low interest loans. Um, they are really interested in capital projects and helping your capital needs and facilities improvement. They like short-term stuff. None of that's something that I'm ever going to be able to fund from the Department of Education, but to connect you to the person from USDA in your state who can start to make those things happen. My favorite story that came out of the last convening was we had a man in from North Carolina who needed a water tower. The water pressure in his town was so low that had they had a fire, they don't have the water pressure to be able to put out a fire. And so he came to this grant convening saying, I'm here because I need a water tower. And so um, the rural development guy who was there from USDA heard that problem, 
called the North Carolina contact who contacted his president. This all happened like while I was talking. And he stands up after five or six minutes and he goes, I just told you I needed a water tower and my president just texted and USDA wants to fund a water tower for us. Um, so it is those relationships and it, it is those connections, but it's also looking a lot more broadly than just at the United States Department of Education to solve your solution, your, to solve the problems. Um, and I think what I'm most excited about is that you all will be generating solutions to some of these problems and then it will be something we can continue to figure out how to amplify. And I would just uh, add on to something that um, Casey mentioned. Um, one of the things that Gates was really interested in was the fact that the project title is Strengthening Rural Community Colleges. But the reality of this project is unless we strengthen com rural communities, our institutions aren't going to survive. Because if you think of, globally speaking, a rural community, you have the people in it, K through 12, higher ed, your governance structure, your hospital, your basic need structure, police, fire, uh, ho you know, hospitals, all those pieces, if there's a problem in that circle, the wheel, your community has a problem. You know, I think there was an article in the Washington Post uh, that outlined that um, in Missouri, um, it takes, rural communities have about a 60 hour drive, a 60 mile drive to go to a hospital. The further you go away from a hospital as a community, the, the, the higher the percentage of mortality becomes. And these are things as policymakers, as elected officials, we need to have this kind of conversation because it is important. Um, I don't, we don't have silver bullets right now, but at least at a, as a policy framework, we could have initiate this conversation on how best to help our communities and specifically our community colleges. Um, uh, Connie, did you want to say anything before we kick it out to the peeps? No, let's get going maybe with some questions. Okay. We've only got a limited amount of time, so. Okay. Today, we are also releasing the question and answer section of this session. Both episodes will be posted at the same time, so if you're interested in hearing that part of the conversation, check it out. For more information, visit rural.act.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>